Japan 2.0. Hello and welcome to Japan 2.0. We are here today at a very special Japanese event called Hanami. What's Hanami, Matt? A Hanami is like a festival that happens every year in the spring in Japan. And it's when the cherry blossoms are out and everybody gets in the park. Family and friends get together and they drink and have lunch in the park under the beautiful trees and the beautiful scenery. Yeah. And why don't you tell our listeners who we are?、Uh, well, we're Japan 2.0.、Uh, it's a subculture podcast.、Uh, you can find us on iTunes, and I would recommend you subscribe to our, our podcast and then、uh, give us a five star rating. If you, that would mean a lot to us. That's not the only place we are.、Uh, no, we're all over the internet. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram.、Uh, you could follow us on all that stuff.、Uh, I'm Matt. And this is David. And today and, is not only special because it's Hanami, but it's special because we have a special guest for the <laughs> second time ever. A very special guest. It's not that little girl speaking Japanese, it's quite the opposite. Elbert, why don't you introduce yourself?、Oh, uh, my name's Elbert Shitamoto.、Um, I'm originally from LA.、Um, I've been in Japan now for 10 years.、Uh, back in the 90s, I was in Japan for the、uh, JET program, and I did a three year stint with that.、Um, Oh, that's awesome. We should get you back to talk about JET at some yeah, point yeah. because neither lot, of us、right. have done the JET thing. And、uh, I know that's common、like、that. for you know, a lot of expats out here.、Mm, but, I mean, there's a ton of reasons we wanted to have you on, but one of the many is because Matt and I really love the 90s, especially 90s Japanese culture. <laughs> you know?、Okay. And I know personally from you, you say 90s culture is a bit of a weak spot for you because you're out living life. Right. But、um, beyond just that part in the 90s when you came here in the JET program, You've been to Japan before that, right? Yeah, I've been in Japan.、Um, I, I've seen pictures of myself as a baby in Japan in the 60s. My, my mom is actually、uh, born in Japan、uh, in Awajishima, which is not, relatively not too far from here,、uh, just right out in the,、uh, the Seto Sea, I guess,、uh, uh, near the Akashi Bridge, or connecting the Akashi Bridge to Kobe area. And、um, so, yeah, my, my connections have been. From that time,、uh, visiting as a baby, being shown to my relatives, and then、uh, coming periodically every three, four, or five years、um, as a kid. So, probably my first、uh, real experience that I do remember is probably from the mid 70s. Okay, so your memories of Japan can go back to the 70s. Can go back to the 70s. You、yeah. lived here full time in the 90s. Yep. Yes, yeah, full time, three full years,、uh, solid three years. But it's 2016 now,、yes. and you're here. So and I'm still here. <laughs> what, what happened in between?、Um, you didn't、geez. stay here since the 90s, right? No, I didn't stay here.、Uh, in the 90s,、um, actually, I, I was here from 92 to 95. I was in Matsuyama, which is,、um, I believe, the biggest city in Shikoku, which.、Um, I specifically requested it, Shikoku, because it's、uh, out of the four major islands in Japan. It's、uh, the smallest and the most、uh, like, hard to get to. I'd say obscure. As yeah,、well. very obscure. So I wanted to just go where, where I had no connection to or anything. And、um, uh, what was it?、Um, 
Uh, so I ended up there, did three years in jet program. At the very tail end of my stay, I, I met my wife, uh, and we, we ended up getting married, like, uh, legally uh, through through paperwork in Japan and then had our wedding in uh, Zuma Beach in, uh, in uh, California. Uh, and we were there for 11 years. And then, and that's when I, uh, after 11 years of L.A. life again, I, I uh, started to rem- remember all the good things about Japan. And I ended up back here with three kids. Um, and I've been here for 10 years now. Hard, hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So you must like Japan then. I... Uh, it's a love-hate, I guess. Yeah. yeah there, there are many times where I've always thought, oh, man, i got to get the hell out of here and get back to L.A. But, mm. but it, yeah, there's more love than hate, for sure. Is it a grass is greener always thing? I, I think it's definitely the grass is greener. Um, and, yeah, yeah, when I do start thinking seriously about moving back to L.A., then I start to remember uh, the weeds in, in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always, I think anywhere you go, you... you Especially if you live there, you have to deal with the struggles as well as the, you know, the benefits to living in whichever country you're in or whichever city you're in. You know, you take the good with the bad. Yes. Um, I think you're an interesting case, Albert, like especially compared to Matt and I, because I mean, we've only been here two or three years, and we like Japan from afar. You know, but I think mm-hmm. you have a more authentic knowledge and. I especially like that you know a lot more of the like obscure parts of Japan or you've actually gone uh, and lived there, you know? Because I think for us, we've talked about it in a previous episode, when you're reading about Japan, you're typically reading about Tokyo, right? Right. And then right. once we've come out here now, we're in Kansai, Kobe, and Osaka, pretty big cities. And I think maybe one of our weak points, if I can speak for both of us, is that we haven't really gotten out and seen a lot more outside of those cities. Right, Matt? Uh, yeah, not too much. I mean, I've ventured into, like, Wakayama and mm, Nara, yeah. Yeah. which are a little more country and a little more, um, what, I, I think David's nicknamed driving areas or car <laughs> car areas. Like, you need a car to drive out there and and get around. To uh, see them well. I, I think you yeah. can get there easily by I, train, I, but once I, you're there. <laughs> yeah, I got to these places, and I walked around for a couple of hours. But... Um, I think the true experience would be a uh, road trip. So, I mean, that's about as far out as I've gotten. So, yeah, I think that El- Albert's, like, experience is probably a lot more and Albert varied, has, yeah. Albert has a car, too, so you can get <laughs> I, out there, I have there, a right? car. Um, yeah. I had a car, actually, on the jet program my last year there, and it got stolen. <laughs> I've never had a car wow. stolen in L.A. in all my life. And, uh, and, and when it got stolen in Japan and I realized it really was stolen... I just had to just sit down and laugh. Uh, it was too surreal. Uh, yeah. It's ironic, yeah? Well, I hear it's hard to get rid of a car if you're leaving, so maybe... <laughs> I, I had to pay to get rid of my car. I think I paid like 200 No, no, maybe it was closer to 400 I paid about you found 400 it. You found bucks it for after. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cops found it. It had been... Uh, some joyrider took it, uh, destroyed the ignition, so I had to pay like about 200 bucks to get that fixed, and then... I think it was two or three hundred dollars to get rid of it. To, you have to sell it back to the junk dealers. They won't take it otherwise. Oh, too bad they didn't yeah. take it and scrap it. Exactly. <laughs> I was paid the fill. Yeah. Yeah. When you leave, you should just get someone to steal it. But that's, that's right. That's probably right. Uh, when you want it, it can't get done. It's uh, yeah, Murphy's off law. my hands. So um, you've been around. I mean, what's your favorite place in Japan? Ah, oh, geez. I, I mean, if you had to live somewhere, where would you want to live? Today, probably because I was just uh, watching what my wife was watching on the uh, TV this morning. Um, they were spotlighting uh, Ehime, which is the prefecture I was in. 
and uh, a specific area uh, called Uchiko. And on the way down, they were riding these uh, one streetcar-like uh, trains that go right along the coast. And uh, just the memories of doing road trips down that way and then going to Uchiko, which is, um, uh, they call it Shirokabe, which is like a white, the white plaster wall, sort of old town. Um, uh, and uh, it's, it's like going back in time. Um, you, you see craftsmen there. The, the guy that I specifically remember, uh, he's probably like the grandson or, or the, maybe the older son of, uh, or the younger son of the, uh, the guy who originally I saw was a candle maker, and he's making candles by hand. Um, and you can just watch him there just dipping his hands. I don't think he was even wearing gloves into the hot wax and just rubbing it together. But, but that, that's, a, that's a great place. I highly recommend Uchiko. Wow, Ehime is in, awesome. on Shikoku. Right? Ehime is uh, yeah in Shikoku, yeah. the uh, upper uh, northeastern part of Shikoku. Mm. I would say. Yeah. So you'd want to live there. It's not too, would, not too uh, country for you. If if my wife liked uh, that kind of area, then I would definitely uh, uh, at least Matsuyama is uh, close enough to everything, and, and you still get the city city mm. life. It, mm. it was. Um, 450,000, which might sound big for an American city, but, but in Japan, Japan small. everyone I talk to, they just call it Inaka, which is just plain old country, like sort of <laughs> bumpkin type of yeah. uh, reference. Mm. Wow. Well, that, that sounds really cool. I, I would like to see, like, you know, more areas yeah, in Japan. No, I mean, I I hope I've been guys, meaning to travel. We can but do a road trip out there. Yeah. That would be great. There's surfing out there too, right? Uh, no, no? yeah. Actually, I'd, I'd, I'd requested Kochi, which is on the Pacific Ocean side, and they have surfing. And I got the calmer uh, Seto Inland uh, seaside, yeah. But but they did have a, a shark attack the, the year before I got there, so that was, a, was kind of a funny <laughs> uh, Jaws Something reference. exciting. Yeah. yeah. From the countryside I've got to see as I'm traveling from city to city, like driving through it, yeah. it does seem amazing and beautiful. Uh, and I always yeah. think that. I, I want to go do that. You, you um, want to step out of the car and yeah, just walk along that whole area. It's it's totally different. Yeah. yeah. For something, it's, for me, it takes a lot of organization and a lot of those places. Maybe the English isn't as good as uh, if you go into a city. You know, right. have to book hotels and right. things like that. that that's true. So that helps to have. They're some. a lot friendlier. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Really down to earth. Mm. I did a hike in Wakayama, the pilgrimage oh, there. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the most uh, like countryside of Japan I've got to see. Cool. It was really, really, really great. I would never want to live in a place like that, but mm. I like to go. One big thing that struck me that was different from back home is, like, to go to the countryside in Japan is expensive. And I always view it as, like, oh, people just go hiking or camping because it's a cheap oh, vacation. Right. No, it's It's not. kind of like a poor man's vacation back yeah. home. You can't take your family to Disney, so you're going to go camping, you know? Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, this uh, hike we did, which is just, like, an hour and a half away accommodation and getting there it was like $200 $300 oh, okay, and okay. I thought I could have went to Tokyo yeah, for that. Yeah. in the back of my mind the whole time you know I was thinking yeah. I was going to take this cheap vacation and it ended up not being there's yeah. highway tolls and uh, that's yeah, right yeah. I so, forgot to, just getting there is, is the hard part getting yeah. around Japan can be kind of expensive yeah um, I think one of the most interesting things that I kind of want to pick your brain on is like how okay. Japan's changed, you know? Okay, yeah. Uh, we've kind of referenced it before, but a lot of the blogs and news sites we like about Japan have kind of say Japan's gone downhill culturally. Mm. Um, things aren't as exciting or booming. Japan's not putting out as much as they used to. Right. It's kind of stagnant with the recession. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, we're only reading that secondhand. So I'm kind of curious to have a, like, a primary source of it, you know, where... Okay. Have you 
I'd maybe starting with the 70s. Like, what are yeah. your earliest memories of Japan in the 70s? I, <laughs> my, my earliest memory, very strong memory, is um, running through a, a glass door in Japan while I was playing tag, chasing a, a neighborhood girl in, uh, in uh, my aunt's, um, like, uh, I guess one of her investment homes that she had. Uh, to the side, like sort of rental property that was empty at the time. Mm. And uh, so I remember that period of Japan, and I remember just the hospital itself looked medieval. Oh, almost. you ran through I a ran window. through the window. window. Yeah. Oh, there wow. scars or anything? And until I, uh, yeah, I have a gnarly scar on my, uh, right above I my kneecap that, that yeah, will yeah. never go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, I um, and that was Osaka in the seventies. That was Osaka in the seventies. It was um, a place called um, oh geez, what was it? Hanazono. Hanazono. But it's not the hardcore Hanazono. Oh, because oh, I yeah. I was trying to get to um, Hanazono to because my my uh, cousin is is living there now. And the um, well, ghetto one or in or the, the, uh, the nicer one. In the nicer okay, yeah. uh, Hanazono, and I had no idea there were two Hanazonos, but I I ended up find, finding out the hard way um, with my young daughter. Um, <laughs> And uh, having like bottles like breaking in front of us, and some old dude uh, shouting out like in a real guttural Japanese at, at like some lady who happened to just barely brush against him, and it was uh, it was a mind trip. I, I hope you guys podcast uh, it is a, it is a future episode. I was looking at the episode yeah. list today that we wrote up when we conceived the show, and yeah, Hanazono was on there, and uh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, I lived there for a brief period. Oh so, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, that's <laughs> all I know Yay. about that neighborhood. <laughs> It was, uh, uh, it was a treat to find, yeah. But the so the area you're talking about is the suburbs, basically. It's very, Osaka, very right? suburbish, yeah. but still, yeah, Osaka. So it has a, a real gritty, a gritty feel to it. Yeah. The older vibe. The old, much older vibe. Yeah. yeah. Are there areas like where you walk around now? You know that like you can recognize. Maybe not from uh, the '70s necessarily, yeah. but like. You see, like, the major landmarks. I don't know, right. maybe, like, Shinsekai or something like that. Shinsekai, yeah, I did go, but I, I don't remember that area. Oh, probably the Osaka Castle. Okay. Um, the Tsuruhashi area, which which happens to be, and I had no idea until I was much older, um, was, is the... Um, has the highest uh, population of uh, Koreans born in Japan. Mm. Um, and until uh, until I was a teenager, like uh, late late teens, I, I had no idea. I thought um, I thought uh, like uh, what is it uh, uh, the yakiniku and all that stuff that I was eating in Tsuruhashi, all the, the other stuff, hormone, um, uh, what is it? Probably kimchi too. Maybe I, I thought that was all Japanese just food, but Japanese, it just happened right? to be next door to where my my, my uh, aunt lived on the the border with Tsuruhashi, so that was like the go-to spot. Yeah. It's interesting for us living in Korea before that. Yakiniku to me is still Japanese food, but it's mm. so different from how it's done in Korea, you know? Uh, okay. And the, the kimchi taste is, is so different that. Kind uh, of sweeter. Uh, kimchi always disappoints here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still very much like a Japanese interpretation of what Korean food is, you uh, know? Okay, yeah. my wife is always complaining about that. My, my wife too sweet. is yes. uh, Zainichi Kankokujin, so she's um, Korean born in Japan, so she. She gives me all the dirt on, on Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Sudahashi, do you think the change that you've seen now in Osaka is, it's, like, for the better, for the worse? Or it's actually some? sad because you, you see all the mom-and-pop shops, uh, and, and my aunt is a good example. She had the mom-and-pop, like, uh, sort of, um, uh, what is it, uh, the, the um, home craft type stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the kitchen utensils, that, that kind of 
gadget type shop um, and she lived upstairs above that shop and um, and that whole street from from like one end to the other was just covered with um, mom and pop shops the whole way down and now when I go visit she's uh, moved out of there uh, her place is being rented out to a bicycle place and um, and there's a big mini mall now and and she's living in a huge mansion that where uh, where yeah she pretty much has no direct sunlight uh, coming into her house anymore and so I miss I miss yeah that really gritty um, down to earth uh, more wood wood uh, wood and concrete I guess com- combination of Osaka not this sort of glitzy um, skyscraper type feel yeah I think that's interesting because among Japan Osaka is known as being the, one of the more gritty places uh, right yes yeah so if you're saying that the place is known for being gritty isn't gritty anymore than yes. probably other cities then that's even more drastic that change I, I would imagine I think yeah I, yeah I, I just it was, it was a different time they, she had a phone booth out in front I don't know if you've ever seen the red phone booths that they have where you drop 10 N in which probably wouldn't even get you a second of phone call time anymore <laughs> yeah, now um, they're green right yeah now, yeah. now they're probably green and, and they're, they're getting even more even more rare uh, <laughs> David got uh, just jumped on by a, some stink bug, I believe. Oh, yeah. That's or, right. or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little cool. beetle, green beetle. Yeah, probably beetle. Yeah. Okay. I've seen, I think it's still interesting, though, to know, like, Japan has a lot of payphones still. If you go to yeah, other countries, yeah. Western countries, their payphones are gone. That, but that, That's true, yeah. I think that's here. because of the aging population. I mean, this is just an educated guess, but mm. I, I feel like the old-timers probably still feel more comfortable with the... A payphone. Mm. They can't and handle, yeah. yeah. The tire, yeah. Maybe, I'm sure almost everybody has a cell phone, but um, I'm sure there's this this group of people that are holding out. Or maybe it's my imagination, but I imagine this group of people holding out, mm. you know, and not getting a cell phone. I think it's a pretty ideological thing with Japan. It's, like, pretty slow to change and hold on to traditions, you know? And I think that can be seen in a lot of things, including the, the payphones, right? Yeah. What? They've changed. They used to be like a pinkish color too, right? I've seen some old oh, ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there like was that cool ones. sort of creamy pinkish yeah, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like seeing the phone booths. I don't know something about them. I, I do remember one thing uh, from, I mean, connected with the whole phone booth in the front mm. that uh, that is like specific to that time. And I don't think I've seen it recently, but maybe it is still happening. But, but my aunt, at the end of the day, she would always take out the steel sort of a square container and um, she would burn all of her rubbish, all the burnable rubbish. She would burn right there next to the street. So it had a definitely had a much more third world country feel to it. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen in L.A. No one burns their trash out in front of their home. Yeah, no and, way. And uh, I remember just having fun as a kid, jumping over the uh, burning uh, uh, container. Yeah, it's like a yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, it's a game like uh, Jack the Nimble. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you in the seventies when you came here, you would have been in your teens then, or uh, the seventies? I would have been still uh, like maybe from seven. No, no, from five. Oh, okay. Up until Very like uh, yeah, at the end of seven. At the end, I would have been uh, what would it be like fifteen at the end of the seventies? Yeah. And, I remember a lot of stories you told me about a high school graduation oh, yeah. trip you came out here. Yeah, that was the most memorable trip. Uh, this is back in 83, uh, which is, probably sounds ancient, but doesn't sound that long ago to me. Um, but uh, my, my graduation trip after high school was, uh, and I'll be forever grateful for it, was I was sent by myself uh, to Japan 
And uh, at that time, my cousin was very close in age. Maybe he was still in college at that time, and he uh, took me on road trips all over Japan. So I got to see like places in Japan that I'd never seen, and it was really eye-opening because uh, it was on the flight over to Japan where where uh, the guidebook I had. I was reading it on the flight over. Um, it, it basically exposed me to um, all the uh, the subcultures, I guess, of Japan, mm. which would be like the uh, the Korean population, and, and then finding out that it was in Tsuruhashi was a big eye opener. And then um, also uh, Burakumin. Uh, I'm mm. not sure. I, maybe I shouldn't even <laughs> say that out loud here because yeah. it's got a very uh, a dark connotation. And um, that's, uh, the that's people the people that are kind of yeah. considered the lower Ex- class, like the untouchable class. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. very uh, disturbing. Uh, and I don't know how well known that is outside of Japan. Yeah. Did Girl. you guys ever hear about it? Like, nah, uh, I never heard of it before I met you. Actually. Okay, wow. So, but then I've been very interested since then. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I've always want to have you on for a future episode to do that, oh, just because the be lack fun. of English information. We, we should you know? go into there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you learned about these through a guidebook. That's a pretty cool guidebook. Yes. Then, huh? Yeah, it was a really, uh, I, I'm, yeah, unbelievable guidebook. Uh, like within yeah. the short flight. Well, I mean, it is a long flight, but within that that amount of time, I, I was like made up to date on all the uh, social. <laughs> Like problems of Japan too. So, I, how did yeah. that change that trip? Like, it really changed the trip because um, I suddenly realized, whoa, I'm not in the Jap. Like, I'm not in a 100% Japanese culture that I thought it was. And Japan is not as monoculture as I I was led to believe. And then, um, and then the same trip, I had my mind blown away away twice. Um, my my at at a little Obon festival where people were just sort of dancing around. Um, a, a little local neighborhood one, very small one. My uh, aunt revealed to me that my grandmother was not even my real grandmother; that she was my step grandmother. And, and until then, I had, you know, just always thought of her as grandma. And then, uh, and then later on, when I confronted my mom about it, I found the whole, I found out the whole story about how she sort of had this like wicked, uh, wicked mu- uh, stepmother type thing. Do you think? Like, if you didn't have, like, a family connection in Japan, that you would have come out here? Like, you were sent out because of family uh, stuff, but were you interested in, in right. Japanese culture at all? No, actually, actually, it, it was, I, I probably would have, if not for my friends from college, I never would have ended up in Japan. I, I would have been probably still in L.A. the whole time. Um, they, they taught me about the JET program, which I had no idea. It was not publicized when I was in college, um, back in the... Um, uh, mid mid to late late 80s and uh, and so when they told me about it it was like oh yeah let's all go together and, and uh, we, we decided the three of us would all go on the program and in the end uh, I was the only one who got accepted to the program <laughs> so, and uh, I was forever grateful for them I mean I, I met my wife here I really changed my life yeah and, I, and I'm back here again so yeah. yeah I never thought I would be living outside of LA yeah cool. uh, I think it's time to take a break and we'll possibly come back with kind of catching up from the late 80s time to what went on in the 90s to, okay. to now. So, sounds good. All right. Okay, thank you. We'll be back. Oh, uh-huh. 
we are back, and today we have with you one of our famous Japan 2.0 segments, which is your favorite thing about Japan, and Matt's got a surprise for us. It's Elbert and I's first time hearing it, so tell us, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt, what's your favorite thing about Japan? Oh, man, I had an awesome experience the other day. Um, I park in a, uh, on my commute to work every day, I ride my bike, and then I get on the subway, and I park my bike in this park, park Bike, bike parking park, lot. Yeah. It's made just for bikes, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just for bikes. Yeah. You know, I pay like 100 yen each day to, to park my bike. I should get a month pass, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, and uh, the guys working there are all these old, older guys, older gentlemen. They're probably in their 60s and 70s, so some of them are quite, quite, you know, older. Yeah. And... Um, and they're really polite, and they always want to talk with me. And I'm learning some Japanese, so I'm starting to try to communicate with them a little bit. But I still can't communicate with them that well. And um, one of the guys is always trying to help me with my bike. So if my bike is, like, a little squeaky or there's some, you know, there's no air in my tires, he asks me, can I fill your tires? And then when I come back, like, he's tuned up my bike. It's... <laughs> really nice of the guy and and that's incredible by itself but the other day I was riding my bike and the spring on my seat broke and I had this spring poking me in the the arse (laughs) for lack of a better term and uh uh and yeah I was a little worried because that spring was awfully rusty and I was like probably not a good idea to to ride around like this so um I got to the bike parking and he noticed it right away. Wow. He said, there's something wrong with your spring. Yeah. And I, I, said, yeah. I said, yeah, it's okay. And he said, can I fix it? And, yeah. and I said, well, sure, you know, yeah. you, can, you can fix it if you like. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd reimburse him or pay whatever. I mean, it, awfully nice of him to do that, offer to do that. And uh, I came back that night. And bike was stolen. And my bike was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Albert. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Tell you about the cops on that one. Yeah. So that's probably not what happened. Uh, no, that's not what happened. Uh, my bike was there. It was tuned up. I mean, once again, he filled my tires, and uh, I had a brand new seat. He replaced the the seat in, in its entirety. And since then, I haven't seen the guy. And I've been meaning to thank him, I, and I'm so grateful because the seat is so comfortable. <laughs> Where do you think he got it from? Do you think I he mean, stole it from another bike? Maybe he took or it from. Maybe to the he, there was a. Uh, they might have ba- like a junk pile or something. They might have like abandoned bikes. Did it look like places. a brand new seat, or it looked look brand. It looked brand new. So I wonder wow. if he went to the bike shop that's right down the street. Um, so I've been looking for this guy to find him and I want to pay him back or and I've bought him like uh, um, some treats some uh, I forget what's the, the word for the gifts the oh, ja- omiyage omiyage yeah, yeah omiyage and I, I wanted to give it to him but I haven't seen him he hasn't been there so um, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> but I, I mean I just really wanted to express my gratitude and uh, it's one of those amazing things where um, you know I feel like a part of the community when stuff like that happens, mm. and uh, and yeah, I don't know. It really, it really made me feel feel good. And it was an amazing thing that happened, and 
It's one of my favorite things about Japan. What if he was like dying and that was like his last, you know, he just wanted to do good in the world and then his he last action he puts that seat in and he just died. That's why you haven't seen him. That's oh it. man, I should write a story about that. That would be a great, that'd be a great short <laughs> film or something. Yeah. yeah. Bi- it's just titled The Bike Seat. Yeah, The mm. Bike Seat. Yeah. 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 Coming come to a short, <laughs> to the New Yorker. <laughs> the Bike Seat. Look forward to it. Yeah, look, look forward to that one. Awesome. No, I think that's a great story because it, it just shows like how nice you know Japanese people are and I it's easy to say the same thing about Korea too you know but I think that's one of the reasons that kept Matt and I in these countries for so long is people being so kind to us like I never experienced in my own country you know I personally yeah I think, you know, a lot of times, I mean, I would have ridden with that bike seat messed up for probably a long time, you know, <laughs> yeah. before I got it fixed. And I don't know if it was the kind of thing where he he realized, like, maybe it would have been a little more difficult or I, I maybe don't have a lot of time, you know, to, to do those types of things. Like, I come home from work, I don't necessarily want to go to a cycle shop and have to deal with buying a new, you know... Uh, seat and stuff and I mean it was just one of those things that was such a nice thing to do and I yeah I mean it, I'm so appreciative yeah of like the kindness of others and it's even nicer if you consider like a lot of those guys are working not because they're bored socially but because they need the money and there's a lot of problems with like uh, retirement and things like that so if you consider that and that's true and he probably doesn't have a lot of money and if, if he did buy that then I mean that's like amplifying how nice that act is you know yeah i hope i get to see him again and because i do really want to express my gratitude so but yeah that was one of those things that just really made me love living here yeah yeah it's a great something i'll never forget (laughs) so after the break we're gonna come back and elbert's gonna tell us more about uh how japan has changed we're gonna head into the 90s look forward to it see you after the break Alright, and welcome back. Uh, when we left off, Albert was telling us about his kind of high school graduation trip out in the 80s and some of his family secrets exposed <laughs> but oh, no. uh, now we'll be coming back to the 90s when you came out for the jet program right yes yeah and what you know did you have any expectations before you came based off your past trips and jeez um I uh I, I learned I realized very quickly that um that the Japan that I knew was basically only Japan in the summer. Mm. I had no idea that what what went on in Japan any other part of the year. Um, so it was a, a shock to me to to find myself freezing in the winter uh, and uh, how cold Japan to, can get. Yeah, it just blew me away. I'm an LA boy, so I, I um, had never had an overcoat. I never wore um, what is it long underwear my entire life, but I had to wear. I had to wear all that stuff inside the classroom because back then they were totally old school. They would not allow uh, heaters until like the, the dead of winter. Um, and, and it had to like be a certain day. It didn't matter if it was freezing before then or not. They, they said, we only do it on this day. And, and sure enough, yeah, that's the only time. Sounds like um, our experience in Korea. Yeah, okay. I wonder if it's changed in the public schools. I wonder, It's yeah. probably similar, I, I, I bet. I bet too, yeah. yeah. 
This is in Matsuyama, right? This was in Matsuyama, yeah. yeah which but, is on Shikoku as well. But actually, I was a prefectural AAT, so um, it, it was called assistant English teacher back then. Now it's assistant language teacher. But but I had in one year, I had 23 different schools to go to, so I got completely exposed to like the whole uh, spectrum of uh, schools out there. So one one day, I might be out in the mountains in a school that had maybe only two kids in one class because those mountain uh, towns are dying out. And another time I'd be on this ferry boat just riding out to this tiny Mikan, which is um, sort of, I guess, what the tangerine, mandarin oranges. Um, and that's what Ehime is known for. It's sort of like the um, Florida of Japan. Um, so, so I'd be, yeah, just living the life, just riding uh, home from an island uh, teaching job, um, enjoying the sunset and the beer. Yeah. From a vending machine on a, on a ferry boat. Yeah. How did you like? How did you like being in Jet? Did you feel like it was isolating, or, or uh, especially teaching in so many different schools? And... I felt um, actually, I, I loved it. I, I mean, I loved it from beginning to end. If if uh, if they had allowed me to stay longer than three years, then then I would have definitely signed up for more years. I'm sure. Ellen um, and I yeah. wax nostalgic a lot about Matt. You know, Matt and I did something similar oh, uh, to yeah. the Jet program in Korea, but. I think those are like the best days in my life and I think a lot of it has to do with having very little job responsibility <laughs> yes yeah there's exactly no, there's no homework like you're done with the job you don't really think about that job yeah, at all when you're done you're done yeah. and uh, I think you're really embracing that country living in that new country feeling mm. then there's no other drama or stress and yeah if I could have done that for the rest of my life and gotten like paid more right, you know, right. it was more of a career that would be the dream I, I, I yeah it would have left a lot of time and energy for you know your real loves passions, or passions. Loves. yeah exactly yeah yeah um so like that's famously the 90s exactly what year did you come uh 92 so, okay. so I, that's like the bubble period it's known it, for matt and i like the culture i mean that's when it was yeah. blossoming you know it, you? it actually might have been the tail end of it like because yeah, um, yeah, yeah. they always referred to it yeah financially they always referred to it um, but I still, yeah, did get exposed to a lot of what, what the bubble culture was. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the culture, like the music and arts and stuff that we're interested in, carry on past that, ah, uh, the financial that part of it. Point they, they're booming then, and they, right. they kept going pretty strong for a long time after yes. that. But, uh, yeah, there was definitely you, money still, yeah. Did you notice any, like, big changes with, from that money, you know, because you were here in the 80s and you came uh, in the 90s? Jeez, um... I mean, visually, the thing that struck me the most was um, going to uh, uh, a dance club for the first time in, in Matsuyama. And um, I don't know if you guys know about Juliana. I think it's Juliana's. I, I, it might be Juliana. No, it's probably Juliana's. But it was a club in Tokyo that set off this trend where scantily clad customers, I guess, are, are up on pedestals, yeah, and they are all just dancing like crazy to techno music, and they're all carrying feathered fans, and they have some kind of routine they do, and, and they, they, there's this pulsating beat, and you're surrounded by all these ladies, and it's, but, it, but at the same time, they feel as sterile as, like, mannequins or something, like, you can't really touch them or there's anything, no, and there's I'll, no I'll real sexual feel to it, it it's just really bizarre it, and so that that was you my introduction to I, I guess a bubble sort of uh, culture type uh, experience uh, experience yeah, yeah it was it was weird yeah, yeah sounds pretty weird <laughs> uh yeah wow i think you i've heard stories about like your bosses or principals too like oh. drinking like gold flecked 
drinks? And yes, like- yeah, yeah. The, the, the best sake I ever had in Japan was um, uh, my boss was trying to, trying to impress his boss. And so we were at this uh, restaurant, and um, he pulled out this, uh, this huge uh, Japanese sake bottle, probably like 24 inches tall. Um, and he was like shaking around. He's saying, This is the best stuff from Niigata, which I guess any region that has really good rice has like really great uh, sake. And he said, This is the best stuff. And I think it was like $400 bottle or something. And, and he was like shaking and he's telling me, See the uh, gold? And there was like gold flakes uh, floating around wow. in the sake. And it was so smooth. It was like tasting like river water or something, like crystal clear river water. You didn't taste any alcohol. It just went in clean, and you had a nice buzz the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> sounds incredible. Uh, I, I guess when we think of, like, the bubble and, and those type of things, I, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, like, I guess, waste, I guess. I, I don't know uh, how ex- to... Excess. Excess. Yeah, excess, yeah. 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 So, like, when it's you... human, like so, girls, like you said, or yeah. drinks. Yeah. When you buy something, like, it would come with, like, something that was unnecessary but it was a nice thing to get like if you bought a magazine you would get a t-shirt maybe a t-shirt or if you bought like an album you would get like this big case or you would get some sort of art piece or or something like that and I wonder if that was like anything you noticed I didn't really notice uh, I I did notice that yeah I would constantly get gifts no matter where I went Uh, it just seemed like that was like every day I was going to get something Uh, but but the thing that stood out for me was being treated all the time. Like um, whenever we would go out to drink or whatever with the uh, with the workers or whatever, then my boss would always treat us. Uh, when we hopped into a taxi to go home, he'd give us a, some kind of coupon. And this guy was working for the uh, educational office. So it's like, wow, they had bucks too. So um, uh, I, I think I've never ridden taxis as much as I did during that period. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't, ex- I mean, you can't imagine it being the same. No, I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, and not only that, he was treating us to um, going to snacks. Yeah. I don't know if you've I've ever heard a lot of these stories. You should tell me what a snack is, yeah. Uh, it's a hostess bar where where basically you go and it looks like a bar, but but it's there's never a bartender. It's always a woman. I, I mean, I guess bartenders can be women, but it's always a hostess behind the counter. And... Um, and they're there from the very minute you come in. They give you, they literally give you snacks. Like they put peanuts or whatever out on the, and, and other like more traditional Japanese snacks on the counter. And then they pour you drinks the entire time you're there. And um, uh, it wasn't until like a little bit into the trip where I realized, oh, we're we're paying like, well, I, I wasn't paying it. My boss was always covering us, but he would be paying massive amounts of money to uh, entertain us. Yeah, Thank and you. that was. I think that was a bubble period byproduct. They still exist for sure, but they're pretty dingy looking. Uh, like I think yes, I think yeah. there's been a separation since that like a, a host or a hostess bar has become its own thing and they are really ritzy and glamorous. Right. But weird at the same time. And then mm, you do see snacks weird. and they're really decrepit looking and I always I, I know there are places where you get like a pretty social girl inside, but mm. I always feel like they have to be like old. I don't know. I can't imagine, yeah. like, a young, good-looking girl inside a place like that, you know? Uh, it seems like the, there's a small area on my way, on my walk home from work yeah. that is, it's all snack bars, but they're definitely older women and okay. probably older clientele uh, as well. Maybe they're bubble-period women. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stayed there. 
been there since the 90s. Mm. Oh, beware of snacks. Uh, um, recently, um, a Scottish friend came to visit, and he had no idea that you know snacks were even around, and so he just walked into what he thought was a normal bar, and they put some snacks on the counter. And he said, I, I don't want these, and he pushed them away and started drinking. He said by the end of the uh, that, that uh, drinking session, he... Um, was in a huge argument with them because they were trying to charge him 3,000 N for like one or two drinks or mm. something. Um, so yeah, if you uh, walk into a uh, bar and uh, uh, be sure to ask if it's a one-shot bar, that, that I guess is one term that will at least allow you to like distinguish it from a snack. So one-shot, what is a one-shot? I think it's just you buy as you go, and, and there's no uh, hostess, uh, no special thing involved. Yeah. A lot of proper bars will actually require you to eat something, and it's a pre-made little oh. dish that they made for you, and it's usually around 300 yen. And those are by no means like snack bars. You know? no. I would say they're actually nicer places usually do that. Um, but yeah, it, there's a certain look and feel, and they'll say in English snack on them a lot of mm, times, yes, right? Yeah, luckily. Uh, it's probably a place you wouldn't want to go. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, There's nothing no. cool or interesting about them. Mm-hmm. They're usually like the worst-looking places. Uh, yeah, I could not understand uh, what what drove my my uh, boss and, and everyone yeah. his age to go there, but it was, yeah, a whole different generation. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, kind of, you left Japan after that time, yes, right? Yes, yeah, 11 yeah. years out of Japan. And why did yeah. you leave? Um, oh, the JIP, JIP program ended, oh. and I was getting married, and I was just, like, happy to get back to L.A., actually, yeah. Do you remember anything that you, like, got tired of in Japan? That, oh. Was there anything that, like, made you feel like, yeah, I'm Jeez. done, I'm not going to get a different job or do Aikawa? Or... Yeah, it was probably the, the whole dead-end nature of it, like, mm. in terms of um, what jobs were available if you were not bilingual. Um, and that was Aikawa, so I, I decided, yeah, I... I didn't think I mean I loved the jet program but I didn't think I could handle the uh, change from uh, jet program to Aikawa mm. yeah you can yeah. start at the top yeah in terms of like being supported yeah. and money and yeah exactly so, yeah. yeah cool but so you went back home yes. and you eventually came back I came back not yeah. doing uh, jet like what brought you back uh, what probably brought me back was LA Unified School District yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd been with them before I went. I was a substitute teacher in South Central, so uh, pretty much the ghetto. I mean, well, the ghetto. And uh, um, I, I actually, 92 was a big year because that was the year of the L.A. riots, and I was told to go home early that day. Um, and then L.A. started burning from that point on. Um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, that... I came back to uh, L.A. and then I started working once again in uh, South Central Elementary Schools. Um, luckily, teaching first and second graders, so so they're not going to kill me or anything, but but I had to hear so many sad stories and just, uh, uh, yeah, most parents were either um, on something or in prison or, or yeah, just, just so poor that, that they just had little support to give to their kids. Um, so that, that combined with um, just a deteriorating, um, I guess, uh, social mores. Or, I mean, you just didn't feel there was um, any more respect for anything. I mean, it's just deteriorating in that way. And uh, everything I thought of when I thought of Japan was just like, wow, those kids were really nice. Um, so 
uh, I don't know. I remembered all the good things that, yeah, that happened yeah, yeah. in Japan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that brought me back. So you came back. Yeah, so I came back. Was <laughs> Fle- it? Fleeing, uh, fleeing uh, stress. Yeah. So at this time, you moved to Kobe. Yes. Which is the biggest city you lived in at the time. Yes. Right? Yeah. And how did that compare to past experiences? Uh, actually, Kobe used to be my dream uh, place to live because um, uh, when I was on the jet program, I was stuck out in uh, Shikoku. And our jet renewers conferences were always uh, held out here. And that might have been a bubble byproduct, too, because um, we were always wined and dined in, like, the... um, I can't remember which hotel it was, but one of the fancy hotels out on, um, I believe, uh, Port Island or Roko Island. And um, so, so Kobe, to me, was just the fun spot to come to that was just uh, an overnight ferry or a train trip away from uh, Shikoku. And um, so, yeah, I ended up here, and, and uh, but quickly, yeah, realized, yeah, it's quite different from uh, visiting. Yeah, living, um, living somewhere in versus and, vacation yeah. somewhere, right? It's pretty different. Quite, quite different. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, so, like, go, I guess, kind of bringing it full circle, you know, back to when you first came out to now. Do you feel, I remember you telling me a story before about, like, people using their lights was like a telling uh, si- telling sign to you yeah, of how Japan's yeah, changed. Okay. Um, there, there's talk a lot about of that? yeah, like, with, yeah. That that really stood out. I, I mean, LA is definitely a driving culture. Uh, California is is definitely, but but um, uh, what what really stood out here was how polite everyone was, even when driving. Um, when you get to a light at night, um, and and this is still lingering on, but it's definitely dying out. But um, uh, when you when you would get to an intersection, you would turn off your lights so as not to blind the uh, drivers coming the opposite direction, um, and then turn them on after the light had changed and you were uh, heading through the uh, intersection. Um, in addition, yeah, the things they would use horns here, but but the only time I would see them use horns most of the time was just to say thank you. So there'd be a quick tap of the horn to say thank you for you know letting me through or letting me pass through, because uh, a lot of a lot of places here in Japan, you're you're on such tiny streets. I mean, there there's some streets I've been on that just made me want to cry because I felt I would never be able to get out of it. I, I couldn't go forward, I couldn't back up, and I just wanted to cry because I, I didn't know how to get out. But um, uh, when you're on those kind of streets and someone stops and pulls over to allow you to go through, you you give them a little quick tap of the beep, or or, or there's always something that people are doing over here that. Uh, is always showing gratitude to the other drivers around them, and, and that that I'd never seen in LA. Maybe, yeah, very very infrequently. I think you're telling me though that you see the light thing less now. Yeah, though. like less, people will leave their lights on a yeah, lot more, and a lot more. So you're you're staring at like a full a wall of lights, and I'm still living the uh, '90s uh, uh, etiquette. <laughs> Japan style, so I'm still like turning off my lights, but yeah. Have you noticed people, Matt, turning them off? I notice it occasionally. I know, you, you know, it's something I've never paid attention to. I think you'll see yeah. it. I'll, drive, I'll look for it now, yeah. yeah. notice it. I notice it just as I cross the streets that oh, people, cool. I mean, it's maybe 10% or 5%, but right. coming from the States where I've never seen that, I'm like, man, that's so considerate. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it, it blew me away. I didn't understand what they were doing in the beginning. I think yeah. this is like a point where Matt and I can really come in and you hear all these old stories, you know, but everything's relative, and I guess it depends where you come from or what your experience is, but 
you're talking back in the change from the 70s was the mom and pop shops are gone or yes, yeah. the buildings aren't as traditional but again for me coming from the states and Korea like I think Japan still has a ton of mom and pop shops that yeah. aren't, aren't franchises and it is they, they really carry on the tradition and I see especially when I go to like Kyoto but it doesn't even take going to Kyoto like these small artisans like building things still and a lot of handmade things are still in Japan um and anytime I hear about people talking about the 90s or 80s, <laughs> I get a bit a bit envious because I'm like, man, it was how could it even be more than this? Because right. I feel like that's so much going on now, you know? Mm. But also I kind of feel like, oh, I think it still holds on to a lot of those good points. And Yeah, I think there's I think a lot it, of the good characters still here. I think any era is going to be your era when you're in some place, you know? And, and mm. I, I think that... It, I mean, it's just, you look back at 10 years ago, where you were 10 years ago, where you, you were 20 years ago, and you get that sense of nostalgia. It doesn't matter where you were, you know? Right. And I think, um, I think there, I have, the, I'm envious just like David is of the 90s. I wish I could have been here, wow. you know, and while, you know, all of the music I was into is, was going on. And, um, but at the same time, like, we're making our own, you know, era right now you know and i think living here in the um in the 2000s 2000s yeah yeah the 10s yeah the 10s you know i mean we're gonna look back uh, this time and then when we come back to japan or we're here and you know for another 10 15 years we're gonna say that this was an you know, we had all these things, you know, we had... Mm. People are always nostalgic. Yeah, right? I mean, right. I, I think it just goes back to your nostalgia, uh, Natsukashi, yes. you know. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm envious, but I'm also... I, I try to stay hopeful and, and look forward to the future. And, sure. Yeah. Um, and There's always new it's things always interesting. Up here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always interesting to see where a country is headed and... I mean, I think Japan is still a very peaceful and harmonious place. And, I agree. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it doesn't have all the trials and tribulations that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm from Los Angeles as yeah. well, and the California and the L.A. area. I mean, my dad worked for the L.A. Unified School District, oh, you know, so. I keep forgetting that. Okay. Well, so I know all about, you know, that, that life as well. Yeah. And, when you, you're talking about how polite people were and how, po- how polite people are now, and uh, it just makes me so grateful, you know, to this country because I mean, little things like that are things you take for granted, you know, politeness and right. And I think if I wish that was, you know, my hometown had that stuff, you know, uh, it would make such a difference, you it know, would. And, uh, I, and it would make such yeah. a difference for people. I hope people one day. Embrace harmony and peace. <laughs> it's a little, a little cheesy. I always yeah. think how amazing it is when people stay in their hometowns their whole lives. I like go back to my hometown in Michigan and people stay there and they're happy. And I, I guess when I was younger, I thought they're ignorant for doing that. But as I get older, I think like, man, they're so lucky to, they're born into a place that they really like and they're really happy with. And for me, I had to travel the world, you know, to, to find a place that I truly love and how, I guess in a way it's kind of cool that people can just be born into that, you know, and, and be happy right away. It makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, too picky or something like that. You know, that I wasn't happy with where I was born. Or, but at least you found a place. Oh yeah, because a lot of people feel like you. A lot of people are just disgruntled forever, right? Yeah. yeah. I, if I was still 
in the California, the California desert. I, I, there are things I love about those areas, but yeah. I don't, if I think about it, I don't know if I'd be happy, as happy as I am here. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful. Sure, sure. Yeah. And thanks, thanks Japan. Thanks. <laughs> and with that, I think we should probably... Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. Um, we, with our special guests, have a special song. Don't we? Oh. Wow. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> do you, do you want to say the name? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk um, about this song a little bit. Uh, I, I was introduced to this band uh, called Happy End uh, through a student, actually a high school student who um, I was actually teaching junior high school students, but um, there were uh, two students who I was tutoring in English, and um, one of them would always give me these um, tapes, and, and there were, there was a lot of music that you guys love on there, but there was also really old stuff. Um, uh, from I believe the 60s or, or early 70s and, and one group was called Happy End and um, uh, some of you might have heard this on like soundtracks but um, but to me it was yeah it was completely new it was a, a sound that I'd never heard and, and the song is um, I believe Kaze wo Atsumete um, Gather the Wind if, if I'm interpreting it correctly I believe it was on the um the Lost soundtrack to Lost in Translation. Yeah. Translation yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, we'll listen to this song uh, and uh, thank you, Elbert, Th- for, for being thank in this you. episode. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I believe you're going to be in another episode Yay. coming soon. So um, you know, look <laughs> forward to Force that. my way in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just a last minute house cleaning. Um, yeah. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe to us. We're also on SoundCloud. Uh, you could also find us on uh, Twitter, Japan 2.0. We're on uh, All Instagram, the popular Japan 2.0, yeah. and uh, Facebook, Japan 2.0. Yeah. Please write us. Um, we've been looking forward to your guys' feedback. Mm. So um, leave a message, leave a comment, leave a suggestion for a future episode. Uh, we'd like to hear any of your feedback. Uh, my personal Twitter is... Unitabilist, that's U-N-I-T-A-B-L-I-S-T at Twitter. You can just contact me at Japan 2.0. <laughs> David <laughs> doesn't want to give out his Twitter anymore. <laughs> it's easier. Do you want to okay. give any contact information? Or uh, um, not, not really. Okay. Maybe okay. In the Albert's a very personal person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he likes to keep things private. And, that's right. You know, we this respect is not that, even my right? real name. Yeah, we're, we're giving <laughs> you a pseudonym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening and look forward to future episodes. Enjoy the happy end. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Peace. Yes. <laughs>
Internet. <lacht>